WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront program. It's our Thursday edition. On Thursdays, we are uh, joined by uh, Christopher Boulay with uh, the company called UBS. He's vice president, financial advisor over there. And also uh, joins us on Thursdays as our uh, co-host and talking about the issues of the day. Sometimes they're financial, and many times they are not. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing over there? Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. It's terrific to be here. Nice to have you here. A lot of topics. So we have a telephone guest a little bit later on in the program. Uh, Scott Gibbs will be joining us. We'll tell you who he is and uh, why we're having him as a guest. But uh, there are a lot of uh, little uh, things going on out there that add up to big things. We have the big story, of course, is the virus. But then hanging down are many, many little tails. And you pull at one and... Um, and the whole thing gets uh, gets uh, befuddled. But anyway, we're going to talk about some of those things as we make our way through. Let's start locally. Let's go to CVS. What's going on at CVS? How are they doing as a company? Uh, CVS is doing actually quite well. I know you and Jeff discussed them this morning. They uh, announced their earnings the other day, and they were very, very robust. And... They always seem to be ahead of the curve. Even the simplest thing, and it seems simple now, I guess we're talking about four or five years now, where they just stopped selling tobacco. And it was about 2% of their sales. And they said, if we're going to be a health company, and we're not going to be a pharmacy, we're going to be a health company, we don't want to be involved with that. So they took that trend. Obviously, last year or so, they bought Aetna, and they're changing fundamentally the way people consume health care. And their earnings were really good. They were expected to do... A um, dollar sixty-two. They did a dollar ninety-one. Their um, delivery of uh, prescriptions it went up a thousand percent, which is which makes sense. And they're trying to change, and they're trying to be the business that's not being impacted uh, by the coronavirus, and they're trying to get ahead of it. So very innovative. I would say there's many people who listen to us weekly who work for CVS or retired from CVS. It's a great employer, a great company. And somebody that does deserve a, uh, a tax pilot program, we can talk about that. But their earnings were phenomenal. They took away guidance uh, for the whole year, but they talked in generalities what they expect to have happen. And Larry Murillo, the CEO of uh, CVS Health, was on CNBC talking about fundamental changes that people are going to have in the way they consume things. I was in a CVS the other day, and... You know, it kind of really struck me yesterday. I always are very optimistic, and we've talked about that. There are companies that we can talk about that are working very hard and getting a vaccine and other companies that are actually taking people off the uh, ventilators and saving lives. So I'm very optimistic. But yesterday kind of struck me. I was in a little bit of a bad mood with the mask on, staying six feet away from people and not interacting with people. And um, I'm hoping that will go by the wayside very, very soon. But in terms of CVS, they continue to reinvent themselves and they continue to be ahead of the curve. And um, I think most of our listeners know they are... In the home, their hometown is the city of Woonsocket, Rhode Island. Now, CVS um, seems to press the right buttons um, in terms of uh, public relations, uh, creating these drive-through testing sites, good PR for uh, for them. Uh, also, Larry Merlo showing up on national television um, uh, with uh, the CVS um, um, message. And uh, they uh, continue to um, make the right investments, too. Uh, they look at the health care uh, industry and, and find out where they can plug in other than selling toothpaste or filling prescriptions. And they certainly have done uh, quite a job in terms of finding new directions to expand their base. Yeah, at the risk of being negative a few years back, they probably made some choices with Rhode Island politics that they, would, that they regret in terms of plastic bags and uh, all the like there. And they've moved away from that, and I think they're dealing from a position of strength in terms of their dominance in the market with thousands of stores, a national presence. Um, don't have the international presence that Walgreen has, but they also pay taxes 
in the United States of America, unlike Walgreens that did a tax inversion and now pays their taxes to Ireland. Um, but they're dealing from strength now and they're making the changes that are appropriate. And now you've got you know, Walgreens following them, trying to do things like that. Um, they put Caremark, I think it was 2007, we're going back many years, and uh, Tom Ryan took a lot of heat for that. Because the stock had hurt and took on a lot of debt, it turned out to be a terrific thing. And I think the market's much more forgiving regarding Aetna. Now, it makes a lot of sense to take a, buy a health care company, a health insurance company. So, yeah, they're, they're dealing from strength right now, and they're looking to figure out. So, obviously, common sense, their prescription um, uh, mail orders went up 1,000%. So, if people don't want to go in the store then you've got to get it to them, but then you've got to be able to impact the fact, well, if people are going into CVS for a prescription, maybe they're going to walk around, buy some other stuff, buy some hair coloring, things like that, and they've got to look at that. So their health core business is going to increase, their merchandise business will probably decrease, and um, they, they seem to be handling it very, very well. CVS doing fine. Glad to have them uh, in the area. And uh, they seem to be showing up in uh, newscast after newscast and also getting a lot of national attention. Now, the other topic I'd like to uh, bring up is uh, a vaccine. I would imagine that finding uh, some kind of a cure is really going to be um, uh, having an impact on our economy and, and in your business, Chris, because if we could short circuit this, then we could um, start to begin to rebuild the economy. On the other hand, uh, there are some uh, people out there that are saying it's a year away, two years away. And I know that uh, you're probably uh, leaning more on the uh, optimistic side by saying that right now there's some real research that uh, is going to bring a quicker than later solution. There is. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm usually a very, very optimistic person, but you also have to be have some realism in there, too. But never did I expect that it was going to take a year and a half for us to get a vaccine. And there's a company and I say I don't follow them. I don't know much about them, but it's Mondera. And there she has a surge this morning. And I'm not talking about them as an investment. I'm talking about them as a company, what they're doing. And the FDA approves uh, their the virus vaccine for phase two. They're working on 600 people to test the vaccine. They're pushing hard. Pfizer's pushing hard. Johnson Johnson is pushing hard. Everyone's looking for the holy grail of um, getting this done. And then there's certainly a profit motive. You take it out of the government's hand and you put it into the private industry and things are going to get done. But then you got companies like Gilead who are giving one and a half million doses they, they've already given away to the government because they don't have a vaccine, but they're working on getting people ventilated. So the most seriously sick people are actually taking uh, Gilead's drug. And um, the president said it. Uh, Dr. Fauci said it. That it's, I mean, it's, it's taking people off of death row and working on them and the results have been tremendous but clearly just like polio and everything else we've had to deal with a vaccine is where we want to go with it and um as warren buffett likes to say it's very very bad bet to bet against the united states of america and i don't know if uh if i mentioned all these companies are uh american companies what a coincidence Talking about Warren Buffett, uh, over the weekend, uh, the uh, big story uh, that I, I seem to be hearing is Warren uh, decided to pull out of the airline industry. And, um, and so um, I would imagine, now, did he own that much of a stock in, uh, in Delta and American and, um, and others uh, that it would uh, have made a big difference? And were there people ready to um, buy what Warren dumped? Um. It's funny. We, we seldom go more than a few weeks without talking about Warren Buffett. There's a saying that the world's cemeteries are full of indispensable men. And it's true. You, you think somebody's indispensable, they die, you, they get replaced. Um, somebody will have to step up and provide the calmness that Warren Buffett has provided, especially 2008, 2009, where he lent billions of dollars to Goldman Sachs and Bank of America and, and made a fortune on it. And he had commented, and I'll get to the airlines, but one of the things that has hurt his company is he can no longer be an angel investor because there's so much cheap money out there that the federal government is getting ahead of this. If you remember, and we've talked about this, 
the Trump administration, it took them 14 days to address the issues financially that, that were going on. It took the Obama administration 14 months. Well, during those 14 months, there were companies that were really struggling financially. And not as much now uh, than is now, but right now, Warren Buffett's company is sitting with $150 billion in cash. And he can't put it to work because he finds a lot of things expensive. And I'll, I'll get to the airlines. But back in 2008, 2009, he had a significant amount of money, was had his power to drive for something like the financial crisis and a lot of companies depended on it. Right now, the government is kind of taking that out of, his, out of their way. So they're not going to do as well as they would because the money's cheap. Basically, the Fed is lending money out at, at zero. But yes... Um, as big as Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway company is, they tend to have very concentrated positions, and these are public documents that have to be announced. You know, he loves Pepsi, he loves Coca-Cola, excuse me. He loves American Express. He loves U.S. Trust. Um, some, of, some of the companies that he holds, but he loved the airlines, and he had, you know, you know more about the airlines than I'll ever know, but he had stakes in American, Delta, Southwest, and Continental, and either him or his subordinates sold everything. And it's not so much that he sold them. It does. It is a market-moving situation because they owned a lot of shares, but every quarter he has to announce his moves. So once he announces moves, then the market really moves. So people will say, geez, if Warren Buffett is getting out of the airline industry, that's a problem. Maybe I should get out of it. And that's the influence he has. I don't know if that answered your question fully. Yeah, it certainly does. Fully. All right. Uh, is, is our caller, um, could you check? Uh, I will. Uh, see if that's our uh, regular caller or whether that is Scott Gibbs uh, so that we can... Uh, properly uh, enter into that call. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute here on uh, program. Scott McGee of Remax Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. Our featured property this week is a new listing at 97 Papineau Avenue here in Woonsocket at 229.9. Has four bedrooms built in 1945 and many treasures that are to be found in the updates of this home. The newly renovated kitchen features a gorgeous granite countertop, antique white paint cabinets with upper and lower moldings and stainless steel appliances. And you can fill your pots with a water faucet installed directly above the stove. The bathrooms are nicely done with a sliding glass door for shower and undermounted double sink vanity with a marble countertop. This house is priced to sell quickly. You'll find it at 97 Papineau Avenue in Woonsocket. Give Scott McGee a call at 639-2906. Scott McGee, your real estate for Remax properties in this area. The Little Red Truck is at your service. We are A&R Trailer Rentals in Woonsocket. We're a company that has those 45-foot storage trailers for rent or lease, and 20-foot ground-level containers are also available. And we offer leasing with the option to buy. We specialize in household and commercial storage for the public. So if you're looking for a place to store household items while remodeling or renovating, then look no further. We have your temporary storage needs available for a fraction of the cost of those storage facilities. And if you're looking to store seasonal items like uh, snowmobiles or jet skis, we have the perfect solution. Call Al Gagnon at 766-1919. Need temporary storage? With the little red truck, give us a call. And for your lawn and garden, we can deliver Wright's Farm cow manure, or you can select from an organic mix, which is a lab tested by the University of Maine for your lawn and garden, but also gravel, sand, clay, stone dust, and mulch available, delivered right to your property. Al Gagnon's little red truck will bring it to you, and here is his number for rates and more information, 766-1919, 766-1919. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, the panel is Thursday's panel, Roger and Chris Boulay. And uh, Chris, uh, you uh, set up a little interview here, so let's go to you right now. Yes, there's a uh, article on the Wasaka Call, and the mayor talked about it the other day. City lands $9 million manufacturing investment. So we went right to the source. 
So there's probably no one who can explain this better than Mr. Scott Gibbs, who is president of Economic Development Foundation of Rhode Island. He is the interim director of planning development in the city of Woonsocket. And he's also redevelopment agency executive director. Welcome. Thank you, Chris. It's always good to wait to the last minute to do this show. I always joke I used to prepare three days earlier. Now I prepare the night before. And this morning we prepared this morning. So if you could talk about the exciting news, it's, as you commented, uh, Russ Oliver quoted you uh, correctly, I'm sure, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Um, when you ever have a really high-quality company, and I like to really emphasize the manufacturing company, which I'm a big advocate of, who decides to make it an investment, uh, not just in Winsocket, but in Rhode Island, um, you know, in, and especially in these times, um, it's it's something really to be celebrated. So they they're purchasing a sixty-five thousand square foot, um, I'm sorry, six point one acre behind the Cumberland Farms, and uh, the company is Resh, and um, they're moving from. You know, Massachusetts economy is doing so well compared to ours, but they're actually got a company moving from Franklin to Winsocket. Can you talk about behind the scenes the decision that came and the um, and the ability to get them to come here? It's, it's, it is a big deal. How did it happen, Scott? <laughs> well, I mean, this company's been uh, been looking around now for probably five months and in, in to move into Northern Rhode Island. Uh, the principal of the company, I believe, lives in Winsocket. Um, this company actually started in Winsocket over 35, or I think it was 40 years ago, by uh, the, the current owner's father. They moved up to Massachusetts, and they've been up there for the last 40-odd years, uh, 35 years, excuse me. Um, but they were, they were looking around, and they uh, ended up having conversations with the mayor, uh, the mayor is working hard to uh, convince them to look at some options in the city. They started looking at the property at the entrance to Highland. Um, and then we were told that they actually made a decision to move to another, instead of another community in northern Rhode Island. Uh, the mayor got back involved and convinced them to, to, to take a second look. And at the same time, we were started working with the state on the site readiness grant program. And effectively, we negotiated a deal that took a lot of the moving parts and question marks that were really concerning the company and got them to basically make a commitment to come here. So the city facilitated the negotiations between the property owner and the company, and, uh, and now we're trying to fulfill our obligations under that deal. Now, it's, if I read this correctly and I understand it, it's not a done deal. There's some contingencies no. that have to happen with the city council. Can you uh, elaborate on that? Well, there's a lot of contingencies um, pertaining to site engineering and permitting. But, yes, the, the tax stabilization agreement is part of it. Uh, this, this company already had worked out a TSA in another community in northern Rhode Island. So they would say we would, they would consider one socket, but we would have to offer the same TSA, um, and that's what was incorporated incorporated into the deal. Um, you know, and, and obviously, when Socket's tax rates are significantly higher than some of the abutting communities, so it even became much more important. Um, this is a huge investment by this company. Um, it requires a lot of logistics and moving so obviously giving flexibility on the property taxes is critical to helping manage their expenses going forward. Are you at liberty to talk about what it, that would resemble? Um, it's a 10-year deal, which is very customary. Um, the, the deal basically is a graduated deal over a 10-year period. Uh, year one, it's zero percent. Year two, it's 35, then goes to 40, 45, 50, then goes 60, 70, 80, 90, and in year 10, it's 100%. Um, I also understand that the, the property currently is assessed at $79,000. It's generating only $2,800 in property taxes to the city currently. Uh, this company, and we're working off of current numbers, 
But we're, we're, I speculate, based on the numbers I'm seeing right now, which will be refined as they, the construction budget gets refined. I think this building is going to be probably assessed over $7 million. So in year two, where they start paying taxes, the tax bill in year two is going to be 90000 uh, The full tax value of this property is a quarter of a million. So we're giving up $2,800 in year one for a significant return on investment in year two, which accelerates over the 10-year period. So it, it's, it's a very good pragmatic deal that is a win-win for everybody. At the risk of uh, looking at gift toss in the mouth, you probably heard yep. there was a pushback from some members of the city council who felt um, boxed in, is the word I heard, uh, about not knowing about this prior to the mayor's uh, press release. It, did, did the press release come out too early, and could there have been a better way to work with the city council to get their approval? Well, all I know is what I've been told, and, and what I've been told is that the city solicitor uh, had been had reached out to uh, members of the city council. I'm not sure if it was all members, but had reached out to a large share of the city council members at least. And I know that the mayor's had conversations with a couple members of the city council before the, re the release of the press statement. So... You know, I'm not a politician, and I all I'm do, dealing with is the facts. Uh, but these are how these deals basically emerge. It's negotiations one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, with a company and the chief elected official. Um, but, you know, this thing's moving hyper-fast right now, Chris, uh, in order for us to meet the time frame of this company. Uh, they want to be under construction uh, in September of this year. Mm -hmm. And they want to be in the building in late summer of next year. So this was going to come out. We're going to planning board in June. These issues and terms are going to start coming out. So I, I, you know, we can always second guess, but the fact of the matter is that's how it's evolved. And as I understand it, there have been previous communications between the solicitor and the mayor with members of council. It, it, it'll be interesting to hear from Councilman Alex Kittis because when he talked about the TSA for, uh, for CVS, we, we just talked about very proud that they're, uh, you know, in, in Woonsocket, they call Woonsocket their home, but his, he called it corporate welfare and, and was not very supportive of that. I wonder if he would be supportive of, of this tax stabilization plan. Yeah, I'm not going to really speculate what any specific councilman will or will not do we can we can philosophically make our our positions but but we have we live in a world of reality and the reality is that, that the city needs investment it needs jobs and if you're going to want to do that then this is just part of the business um every deal every investment that went into the highland corporate park on the cumberland side included a 10-year tax stabilization deal. Mm -hmm. Most of the CDS transactions are done in, co in concert with the Rhode Island, Corp uh, Rhode Island Commerce Corporation. Uh, if you look at the titles on a lot of those properties, they're owned by the, uh, the Commerce Corporation. They're capital leases. Commerce Corporation doesn't have to pay property taxes. So all those deals are forms of tax stabilization deals. This one is not one that's mandated by Commerce. It's one the city and uh, and the uh, company had to negotiate. I have a couple of questions for you, uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, number one is, um, tell us about this company in terms of what they do, uh, because uh, fabricator is uh, kind of a vague term to me. And is their market regional, national, or international? And the second question is, um, it sounds like this deal was a triangle between the company and the um, city of Winsocket, not a triangle, between the city of Winsocket and the company, and out of the triangle maybe was not Rhode Island Commerce, but maybe they were. So um, tell, tell us who's involved in the deal and what they do. Sure. Well, first of all, the company is in the metal fabrication business, uh, technical man uh, um, metal fabrication and tooling. Um, it's funny... Roger, when you when you when you think about the old models of manufacturing, they're not the new models of manufacturing. I've been in this building and it is their existing building. It is spotless clean. 
Um, it's all state-of-the-art computer-driven machinery. Um, it's it's quiet. It's a very very impressive operation. Uh, the the new facility in Woonsocket is actually even going to be cleaner. All polished concrete floors, white ceilings. It's pretty impressive. They're, they they have a very very diversified customer base, um, and it's across multiple industry silos. Everything from uh, HVAC manufacturers to medical equipment manufacturers. They actually work with ventilator companies. There they work. They have a very diversified customer base, which has really helped them not only survive but grow during this uh, pandemic. Um, so, you know, in terms of who was involved, Commerce Corp has been involved on the on the periphery. Um, I'm not. I have not been privy to those discussions. I'm not sure if the company is taking advantage of the job development tax credit program of the state. Uh, but the deal was really heavily uh, city-centric, um, and it's required a lot of people in City Hall to work together to, to make this deal happen, uh, planning department, building officials department, you know, and, and obviously, you know, the, the mayor's office. Um, so it, it, it was a team effort. We're not there yet, but um, I think that uh, this would be a, a, a ribbon on the on the present as we hopefully slowly exit this uh, pandemic. And I might add, I'm right here, I'm, in, I'm sitting at, at uh, outside uh, Starbucks, I'm having my first Starbucks coffee in a while, and I'm a very happy boy. <laughs> they open today. All right, well, I, I think you've answered the question that this was a franklin Woonsocket deal with not much of Providence involved, and we'll leave it at that. But uh, no. uh, just uh, wanted to ch check, are they international in terms of their customer base then? You know, Roger, it's a good question. Um, I've been in their facility. I've asked some questions about that. They're clearly national. Um, it, it's really hard what's international anymore. Most of these large companies are global, and they have operations throughout the world. Um, but I would assume that some of the, like when they mention HVAC equipment companies, most all those companies are global too now. Any other questions, Chris? Or Well, I did note uh, you had three titles and you're a busy guy. When you want something done, you give it to a busy person. Much to the benefit of the city, you are now the interim director of planning development effective uh, on uh, 427. Congratulations. Good for the city. You also got some big shoes to fill. <laughs> Well, well, maybe you know, no shoes to fill. <laughs> well, we're, we're, you know, it's it's just we all have to do what we have to do. And um, there's a lot of things going on in the city right now, and it's important that all hands are on deck. And the mayor asked if I would come back in to help with that. And I, you know, been around the city now for 35 years, and I was more than happy uh, to do that. And you must be excited, you know, you have your show every Wednesday night and you talk about the things that a city like Woonsocket has to do to stay economically viable. And here you are playing a significant role in doing something about that. You must be very pleased um, that they're coming and that you played a role in it. Well, yeah, you know, I've, I've been around a long time. Um, to be honest with you, not to be flip about it, but I never really care about, you know, anything that any kind of recognition that I get on anything because I've been around long enough to know that deals like this don't happen without a lot of people touching it and one person not pulling their hands away kills the deal so I'm just glad that as in any deal I've been involved in the past 35 years just to be part of a team that generates the kinds of investment and jobs that the people of Woonsocket and taxpayers deserve it sounds like we can look for more of the same. God, I hope so. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, a lot of that's in the hands of our of of, of the governor and the president, and the, because uh, this economy has effectively been shut down, and it's struggling, as you know, Chris. Absolutely. And um, I, the ramifications of this are going to be long term. So the sooner we start opening up our doors. Um, and I'm not discrediting, you know, the efforts to protect the health 
of the population, um, and especially in the early stages of this, because we really didn't know much. But the fact of the matter is, and I like to say this, we could continue to keep our, short, our door shut and, and basically collapse the economy. The human toil from that, the death from that, will be much greater than the death toll relating from COVID-19. I could not agree more. You're not the first person to say that either. Could not agree more. Thank you very no, much. I think a lot of people feel that way, mm -hmm. but they're not. They don't want to say it because they don't want to be put into the category of some of the the the, 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 the radicals out there with the guns on, and Capitol Hill. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We uh, know what you mean. That's not that's not who we are. We we're just very very concerned about the economy and people's welfare. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for taking the time. Bye. Have a great day. Bye bye. Thanks for asking me to come on. Take You're care. welcome. Scott Gibbs talking to us today about the um, new company that's coming to Insocket. We're pretty excited about that, huh? Back in a moment. Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm announces, while we have paused in-store shopping for now, we have curbside pickup daily during our regular business hours, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Milk. Cream, eggs, cheese, bread, ice cream, cakes, and more than 70 of your favorite bakery items are available every day for pickup. There are three ways to order. One by phone, call the farm at 401-767-3014, extension 4, to place your order. Pay by credit card and select a pickup day and time. Two, on-site. Order from your car, online or over the phone. Wait in your vehicle while our team in real time fills your order. Wait times may vary. And number three, to view our current menu and place an order online or to view frequently asked questions, go to rightsdairyfarm.com. Stay safe while we work through these unusual times. This message from Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm, North Smithfield. If you need a plumber, I hope you'll consider Ray Dion, Dion's Plumbing Systems. From Cumberland, serving the greater Woonsocket area, we do residential and commercial work. We work on kitchens and bathrooms, heating systems, drain cleaning. We're licensed, we're insured. Over 30 years experience from Ray Dion, you can expect clean, neat, dependable, and courteous work. So when the pipes burst, think of Dion's Plumbing first. The number to call is 334-6060, Dion's Plumbing Systems. We do bathrooms, kitchens, heat and hot water systems, and all kinds of special work as it relates to plumbing. Dion's Plumbing Systems. Think of us. We'll do it right for you. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Well, so when was the political season supposed to begin in Woonsocket? So we know we have an election in November, and um, we may have a primary in September, depending on how many candidates uh, turn out. Uh, so, on May 7th, should we be um, trading jabs uh, back and forth uh, locally in the, uh, let's say, the mayoral contest? Because not too much is going on in the city council contest. We know some city council members are running for re-election, but we don't know if um, there's even going to be a primary um, necessary because you need um, you need 15, I guess, to uh, you know bring in a primary. But anyway... Let's talk about the mayoral contest for a second. So uh, we do this um, sports report every morning, Chris. Um, sometimes you hear it. Sometimes uh, you may be in the shower. I don't know. But we do it. And it's done by Tommy Brian. And Tommy is a Woonsocket resident. He works for the city of Woonsocket. And uh, so he does a minute of sports. And then we cue him in and say, Tommy, do you have any uh, local... Uh, things to comment on and he'll say yeah, yeah today is a trash day and we're picking up uh you know he'll ha he'll have that kind of an announcement or or talk about recycling or something and and 
and so forth. But this morning, Tommy decided to uh, become political. And he uh, started talking about the mayoral contest. He clearly is a supporter of Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt. And he actually uh, thought it would be... Um, uh, now, here's his, here's his thought. He thought it would be a good idea for John Brian to bow out of the mayoral race. Now, remember, John has simply announced that he's running for mayor. He is not a candidate, nor is the mayor a candidate. They have to go through the candidate process with the board of canvases, you know, get all the signatures and get certified and so forth. So right now, the mayor is running, and John Brian says he's running. But this guy, Mr. Um, Tommy Brian, says he ought not to run. And, and the reason uh, we, so we said, well, why are you saying that, Tommy? He said, well, uh, if he loses, uh, then his political cam- career comes to an end because he can't be on the city council anymore. And maybe he should wait for a state representative like Michael Morin. He actually mentioned Mr. Morin's name to announce not to run and maybe run for for state representative. And I said, well, you know what? I think that's going to make John Brian very unhappy that you're saying that. And he said, well, I got a lot of enemies anyway. So there it is. That is what Tommy Brian publicly said on the airways. Should he have said it? Well, it's a free country, right? I would be the last person to criticize Mr. Brian, Tommy Brian, for having an opinion. Mm-hmm. Every Thursday, I bring my opinion here. Sometimes people agree with it. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because you take a step back and you wonder, is the city ready for the message that John Brian's bringing? Mm-hmm. One of the things that really peed me off about some of the thinking that's going on in the city is the fight over distressed community money. So the, the governor puts forth a budget, and, of course, the budget looks nothing like uh, that when the uh, General Assembly gets done with it. It's the General Assembly's got all the power, and there is no line-item veto. So the governor puts together a framework. It's usually full of too much uh, expen- uh, expenditure, and then... It, it has a little bit more expenditure, but not as much as when the governor proposed. So, Woonsocket was cut out of the governor's budget by about three-quarters of a million dollars for distressed community money. And everybody's up in arms, including some city council members that I respect and people saying, we want that money. And my answer to that is, how about we not be dependent on that money? We stop being a distressed community. I've lived here my whole life, and they identified distressed communities, I think, in 1982, 1983. And the city of Woonsocket has never not been a distressed community. So it depends what your expectations are for the mayor's position. So has the mayor held the line on taxes? She she has. Um, Taxes were supposed to go up, as she said the other day, about 4% per year, and they haven't done that. The roads are getting plowed. The roads are getting paved. Our garbage is being picked up. So if you listen to Mr. John Breen, he says, are we supposed to kiss the administration's butt because basic services are being done, right? You're, you expect that. If you live in the town of Cumberland, you live in East Greenwich, you live in Warwick, you would expect the garbage to be picked up. You would expect everything to be done. And so you juxtapose that when we were in distress in 2012, 2013, and we have some basic services being done. I have trouble sitting here on a Thursday and picking apart all the stuff that the mayor's done. The mayor's done some good stuff. And we can list that. We'll take a show. We'll just list all that stuff. But there's things I don't like. I don't like the fact that her assessment went up 2.7% on Prospect Street when all her neighbors went up 15%. I don't like when she publicly says that people with socket aren't that bright and that we're going to listen to the experts in Providence because they know much more than anyone in Wissaka will ever know. And I think those things show maybe a dislike for the community that is unbecoming to me. But to say that she's done uh, all bad stuff is, is, a, is an overstatement. She's done some very, very good things. So for me, it's a matter of expectation. Does the average voter say, look, my taxes were $4,200 two years ago and they're $4,200 now, so the mayor's doing a good job? Or do you have better aspirations to not be a distressed community anymore? Well, John Brian is the guy running, and he's been pretty quiet. Uh, 
since his announcement uh, that he made, um, I think it was, uh, oh, you know, in early March, I, I think is when he had his announcement made. But what happened is when the um, announcement of this company coming to Insocket was made, the mayor did inform Dan Gendron. He knew about it because when we interviewed him on Tuesday, he said, yes, I'm aware that a Franklin company is coming in. Uh, to Winsocket. I'm aware that it's a Winsocket resident that owns the company, but I don't think that Mr. Brian uh, was aware of it at the time. Anyway, a little bit from Larry's show last night as uh, Mr. Brian finally decides, wait a minute, uh, this isn't right. I'm uh, vice president of the council and and I should know about uh, these things. I should be cut in. And so I guess the campaign began sometime on Larry Poitras' show last night. And that's that's a setup. And I just don't appreciate it. I think that any good leader corrals the council president, corrals the council, and says, look, let's get together. This is what I have planned. This is what we're going to need. I need all you guys. And even if, in this day of COVID-19, you got to have a work session, well, hang on. you can't have executive session. It's impossible. But at least you can do it by email. You can do it by there are ways to inform and involve the legislative branch, but government by press release in order to gain political points is just, it's no way to run a government, and I was really disappointed by it, and I just wanted to let you know that. And, and so you did, and that was on the Larry Poitras show last night. So Mr. Brian, a little bit, um, a little bit, he sounded pretty upset to me, wouldn't you say? Yes. All right, let's... Um, Grab a phone call. Let's see what somebody has to say. Hello there. Hi, uh, this is Tommy Brian. That's the DPW worker? Yes, he works uh, for the yeah. uh, Public Works, yes. Okay. He's uh, the guy. I totally, I totally agree with him. Mm-hmm. Big kind. And uh, how come some of the members of the council knew about it because the solicitor contacted them and Mr. Brian didn't? Mm-hmm. So uh, I rest my case. Well, that's, that's not in, in question. So what what happened? What I'm what I'm hearing from the uh, city council members is that the city solicitor called everyone in February and said, "Would you be open to a possibility of two TSAs?" And they all said we'd be open for it, but it wasn't presented to them. So it's like I'm going to um, buy you a car, and then we don't know what kind of car it's going to be, what color is going to be, what the price is going to be. But I've committed to buying you a car. So. I, I think there is some open criticism. You hate to look a gift horse in the mouth. The mayor worked very hard on this. Scott Gibbs obviously worked very hard on it. But to to me, trying to be as independent as I can to have an announcement on a press release without the tax stabilization plan being seen by the city council, I, I think is a little bit disrespectful for the council. I don't know if you agree with that. Well, if Mr. Gendron knew, you know, because he was told and he's president of the council why didn't he contact the people under him i mean you know no no, no. I, th- I think i think we're missing the point here they yeah. they were all received a call from mr de simone in february saying yeah. there's a company potentially coming here would you be open to a tsa again that's what, like, what is the TSA? Uh, the tax stabilization agreement. Right. So, in other words, this company is looking for a tax stabilization agreement, which they right. should be. Yeah. But if you don't know what the numbers are, say the plan was, well, they're not going to pay taxes yeah. for 120 years. No. Well, in the case of Wasaka, we got to take what we can get. <laughs> Hate to say that, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers. But I, I, I said it from weeks ago when he said he was going to run. I said I feel bad because I was going to vote for him in council. But if he's going to run for mayor, uh, <laughs> and I said that weeks ago on Larry's show, I said I feel bad that he's leaving the council. Can, can, I, can I ask you a quick question? Yep. How long have you lived in the city of Winsocket? 72 years, sir. Okay, so we've been a, 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 a designated distressed community for, for basically more than half of those years. Yeah. Uh, are you tired of that? Yeah, but we're, most of my life I worked in Massachusetts. Why? Because the salaries were better and conditions were better. Actually, I should have moved to Massachusetts years ago. I had an opportunity and I didn't, but I had some obligations here in the city. But um, today I kind of regret it, but at this stage of life, I'm just going to stay here. But, um, 
you know, I'm not a fond of avid fan of Rhode Island to begin with. And right now, my uh, <laughs> nemesis there that has the conference every day, I can't stand to look at her. I can't help it. Yeah, at least, at least she's at least she's letting us go. <laughs> yeah, she's letting us go, but she could even open the library, um, uh, Chris. Yeah, I don't mean to say let the whole public in at once, but you know, ten people in at a time, like everything else. You know what I mean? I'm using the library as an example. Even hairdressers, she doesn't have to let ten people in at a time. You know, where is she going? I don't see her here getting out of sorts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, thank you. Um, thank, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. I okay, always appreciate yeah. your call. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Here's another caller. Hello. Well, good morning. It's John Ward. thought I'd have to throw in my two cents. Please. Uh, I heard you play, play the segment from John Brand, and I heard Mr. Gibbs' interview. Um, and, and frankly, I have to admit, and Chris, you got the information right on much of this. The, I did get a call back in February from the solicitor. He actually called to discuss the possibility of us agreeing to two tax stabilizations agreements, one for a company moving in from Franklin and one for a company uh, looking to buy the armory. So I guess at some point in the future, without any other further consultation with counsel, we might be expecting a press release on the armory, too. Uh, hey, John, your call's breaking up. Uh, are you in transit somewhere? Yeah, I'm talking to my car yeah. as I drive. Right. Um, can you stop and uh, finish off your comments? Sure. So sure, we I'll can uh, have you in one spot and not lose your yep, transmission. All right. Are you hearing me well now? Yes, good enough. Yeah. Okay, good. I won't move. Uh, so, basically, I get the call from the, from the uh, solicitor. And he talked about two, two TSAs. And my expression to him, and I believe other council people to him was, as Chris said, yeah, we'll certainly talk about anything, but put together a workshop so, or a document so we can actually have something to review and consider and consider the implications of. Now, clearly this deal is going to go through. Uh, we're not going, I'm sure the council is not, the majority of the council, I'm sure, is not going to stop this. You don't want to pass up an opportunity that presents itself like this. Um, I, I think we're, you know, I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize that. Our concern is the is the implication of how the mayor deals with the council, and she basically made it clear that she communicates with us um, regularly and is very transparent, and that I never called her, but she's always made it clear she deals with us through the council president. And my understanding is the council president, in, their, in his communication with the mayor, um, made it clear to her that yes, we'll certainly consider it put a plan together that can tell us what's going on to provide to the council so we can have a meeting. And contrary to John Payne's assertion yesterday, you actually can have a closed session um, in a conference call where you don't allow other people to participate. After you open a meeting in a public thing, you go into a closed session and the moderator shuts off access to everyone else and you have a closed session. So it's not impossible. Uh, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. So, so my concern is the concern that John Breen expressed, and I'm sure other council people would express in the future, is the fact, um, and I understand Scott Gibbs pointing out that this is moving fast. And yes, they were, they were being courted by Smithfield and that, that community, uh, when Socket set itself up in competition with them, and apparently there's one out, and that's a good thing for Socket. And I certainly, uh, I certainly, um, applaud the mayor and Scott Gibbs' efforts in getting that to happen. Um, it's just the frustration of dealing with an administration that, you know, she did just enough to be able to say she communicated with us, but didn't actually tell us anything, and then sprung this on us. And now when we are frustrated with the, the way she deals with the process, she complains that we're n negative about things and it's not beneficial to the community. So we're not negative about things in general. We're negative about her approach to governance. So you can understand why Mr. Brian was upset then, huh? I do, I do, and and the fact, you know, the fact is, if you if you're going to count John DeSimone's communication with the council members as communicating this and getting our our approval, uh, that's that's a completely false impression of what happened. It was a conversation about the possibility of two PSAs uh, for two different properties and like that. And actually, I believe if the council president was aware that it was a parishioner in uh, and. Uh, in his neighborhood and a resident of Woonsocket, 
um, I, I'm pretty sure that was because of the research that I did to find out about this company and read a news article about their plans to move um, out of the area they were in Franklin, and, and we were the benef- we could be the beneficiary of that uh, once I was aware of what the company name was. So um, I don't think that was necessarily something that the mayor communicated to him originally. Right. I think that was something I had dug up. Um, because that's what I do. I dig stuff up. You that's do why indeed, I know yes. it was, That's why I know it was Smithfield that was courting this company and Woonsocket was able to pull this off and get them to come into Woonsocket. Uh, because I know the public record that includes the fact that they were being, uh, they were discussing Smithfield originally. Thank you, John. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time. That's our frustration. And so I hope we can, you know, if the mayor wants me to call her when I have questions, I guess I'll just have to start calling her directly. And I have lots of questions. Thank you, sir. So you gentlemen have a good day. We will. Too. John Ward, member of the Woonsocket City Council saying that uh, if there was 100% of information about this company to reveal, the email from the solicitor in uh, February had about 5% of the information and 90% not present. And if you want to say that you've been informed with 5% information, you can. Final words from Christopher Boulay. Um, there's going to be, you know, the, the caller before John... Uh, expressed her frustration with the governor. I have uh, frustration with the governor. Just interesting, Massachusetts is relatively known as being better uh, well run, but they're right now the only state in the union that has no plans to open up golf. They're the only ones who have it. Washington has opened up, Maryland's opened up, New Hampshire's opened up, so it's supposed to be an announcement today. But you think about the coronavirus and how it hasn't really been thought out. Our governor decided that you can't take a a cot. So a lot of these courses were allowing people to take individual cots and said you have to walk. Well, it was noted by every golfer that you're going to get closer to people when you're walking as opposed to taking a cot. So there's, you know, golf means uh, close is close to me, but there's many, many instances like that that just don't make any sense. Uh, one of them is the restaurant. I applaud the, the mayor and the city council and, and Dave LaHousse for talking about doing outdoor dining. But if you're going to do outdoor dining, can you set up a plan to have indoor dining? Um, maybe it's unfair criticism because there's so much coming at these leaders, but in many cases they failed and they've overreacted and they're making the economic damage, in my opinion, much worse than it needs to be. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, everybody, for participating. Um, And thank you for uh, calling Scott Gibbs and getting him on our uh, live line this morning. My pleasure. You're a good guy. Don't tell anybody. When the restaurant's open, I might take you out to one of them. (laughs) Right. Uh, I I can't wait to buy a pastrami sandwich at uh, Beef Pond. Now, we are moving out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow, it's Melissa Murray. She's state senator. And... um, I don't know how frustrated she uh, is about uh, not being able to meet as a body uh, in the Senate, but we'll find out tomorrow. It's 9 o'clock at WNRI, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. (laughs) 